Shavua Tov from Israel and welcome to this edition of our weekly Israel News Podcast for the week starting January 31st, 2021. This podcast is brought to you by IsraTransfer.com, Israel's most trusted money exchange experts. My name is Adam Malaman and once again I am your host for this weekly podcast which summarizes the stories that are driving the news cycle here in Israel this week. You'll find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox and all the other places where great podcasts like this can be heard. And please, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, help us to grow. A share, a like, a comment and of course a subscription to make certain that you don't miss an episode. Anyone doing business with Israel, whether buying property uh, or investing or making Aliyah, should make sure to catch the Israel Transfer Shekel Rates and analysis videos that we post every Monday through Friday, or Monday through Thursday, I should say, on the Israel Transfer Facebook or LinkedIn accounts. And at the end of this podcast, Daniel Engelsman, co-founder of Israel Transfer, will be bringing us a brief analysis of where the Shekel is holding as we go into this new week. Okay. That's the business stuff done. Let's get to the stories which are likely to be driving uh, the news in Israel as we go into this new week, uh, the first week of February. And we start with the story that dominated uh, the all-important Friday editions of newspapers here in Israel, and that's the ultra-Orthodox, also known as the Haredi community, uh, which has been involved in street riots over the past few days and is accused of ignoring COVID restrictions. Many Haredi schools in Yeshivot have been open, and large events such as weddings have allegedly been taking place, particularly in the Hasidic community. These included the wedding of the grandchildren of the grand rabbis or rebbe as they're known, of the Toldos Aharon and Sans Hasidic sects. With hundreds of people attending the celebrations, the majority not wearing masks or making any effort at social distancing. Meanwhile, police visits to schools and yeshivot to issue fines have in some cases resulted in violence, including the burning of an Eged bus and assault on its driver in the ultra-Orthodox neighbourhood of Bnei Brak, which shocked the country. Uh, Meanwhile, the virus is causing terrible losses in this community. Last week, as an example of this, Yehuda Meshi Zahav, who is the head of Zaka, uh, an incredible organization founded during the Second Intifada uh, to collect, uh, it's gruesome, but they collect body parts and bodies after terrorist attacks. Um, And he spoke out in an impassioned interview on Ynet against the leader uh, against the leaders of the community that he's a respected part of. Zafhav has lost his mother and his brother to COVID in recent days. This is our leader's fault, he said. I say this with a heavy heart. I think they're worse than Holocaust deniers. After all, Holocaust deniers deny history, and here they're denying the present. What is wrong with our leaders? How can they say, our hands did not spill that blood? There are people around who are suspected of spilling blood, even if people call them rabbis. There isn't a single neighborhood building or home without at least one victim to this virus. Strong words indeed. And with elections around the corner, the ultra-Orthodox lack of compliance with COVID rules has become a political football, with party leaders and op-eds discussing the need to reassess the social contract with the ultra-Orthodox community, who constitute 12% of all Israelis. Uh, And in an associated story, last week, Israel's defense minister and blue and white party leader Benny Gantz refused to support the extension of the current lockdown due to end tonight, which is Sunday evening here in Israel. 
unless the government approved a large increase in fines levied at schools and organisations that break the COVID shutdown order. This has been something opposed by the Haredi parties for some time. They see it as singling out their community. As a result, the cabinet did not meet as scheduled on Thursday, and the concern was that without Knesset approval, which is needed uh, to approve these extensions, all the restrictions, all of them, would end this evening. This could cause serious problems and breaches of social distancing for the day or two uh, it would take before new restrictions could be brought in. Obviously, that would almost certainly cause the infections rates to spike. This would include social distancing, mask rules, closures of bars, limits of people indoors and outdoors, etc. However, it does appear as if Mr Gantz, whose party may not pass the threshold in the March elections, has won this argument, and the government is scheduled to convene today and will likely extend Israel's lockdown and other restrictions by another week, as the authorities hope to see a significant reduction in new coronavirus cases and serious patients in the incoming days but in the coming days before these restrictions are relaxed. Health officials say that while in the last few days the figures seem to have started to trend downward, the reduction has not been as fast as with previous lockdowns. This is largely being blamed on the aggressive new strains of the virus and the various gatherings that have taken place contrary to the rules, some of which I discussed earlier. Now, one restriction which is unique to Israel has been the closing of Israel's main airport, Ben-Gurion, to all international commercial traffic. This has been done to allow Israel to conclude its highly successful vaccination program before new strains, which are currently unknown, enter the country. As Prime Minister Netanyahu explained to a virtual meeting of the World Economic Forum at the end of last week. These two vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, uh, are overcome the various strains that uh, have appeared, that we know about, and that they've tested. Uh, but if you ask me statistically, it's just probabilistically, okay, it's just a question of time. And I'm not sure a lot of time, I'm not, don't pretend to be an expert on vaccines. Uh, but I think that from what I can ascertain, it's just a question of time before we hit a strain that uh, the current vaccines are not susceptible to it. And because of that, the risk that that would happen I shut down the airports. I'm the first country in the world to totally shut down commercial flights. Totally. All the, all the mutations that you see today, the South African, the British, the, uh, the Brazilian and so on, <laughs> that's already too, you're two weeks too late. You know, they've already gone. And the new ones you wouldn't know about for an, another several weeks or whatever. So I've shut down the borders too because I can do something that other countries I think would like to do too. They might be able to do it. And that is to, inoculate millions of people in the time that I close the country and try to win the race between mutation and vaccination. That was Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu speaking to the World Economic Forum on Thursday. Moving away from COVID and Israel's internal issues, why not? And US foreign policy is the other topic that dominates Israeli newspaper editorials over Shabbat. President Biden and his team have been outlining their policy positions on issues such as rejoining the Iran deal, strongly opposed by Israel, along with other Mideast countries, including Egypt, Jordan, UAE, Saudi Arabia, etc. New Secretary of State Antony Blinken had this to say on the issue. President Biden has been uh, very clear in saying that uh, if Iran comes back into 
full compliance with its obligations under the JCPOA. Uh, the United States uh, would do the same thing. Uh, and then we would use that uh, as a platform uh, to build with our allies and partners uh, what we call a longer uh, and stronger agreement. And regarding the other key issue that is of concern to the Israeli government, and that is the Palestinian issue, the Biden team reiterated the U.S. policy of returning to the two-state solution. Uh, This is acting U.N. Ambassador Rich Mills outlining this policy to the U.N. Security Council. Under the new administration, the policy of the United States will be to support a mutually agreed two-state solution in which Israel lives in peace and security alongside a viable Palestinian state. In order to advance these objectives, the Biden administration will restore credible U.S. engagement with Palestinians as well as Israelis. This will involve renewing U.S. relations with the Palestinian leadership and Palestinian people, relations which have atrophied over the last four years. And at a White House press conference last week, Jake Turks of the Jewish magazine AMI pushed the new press secretary, Jem Psaki, on whether the announced renewal of ties with the Palestinian Authority would come with any expectations placed on the Palestinians. Her response was non-committal and not encouraging. Hey, this is the foreign policy question. During the campaign, Mr. Biden had said that he would give benefits to the Palestinians, but he didn't specify anything that he would ask uh, any concessions. So the question is, Is it the belief of this administration that the Palestinians don't have to make concessions to get funding or a consulate? The president's view continues to be that a two-state solution is the only path forward and uh, that, you know, that that continues to be the position of his uh, White House. That was new Biden administration Press Secretary Jem Psaki. And to finish, some positive news from Israel. Nearly 3 million Israelis have now received at least the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And that's, uh, by the way, over a third of the population. And nearly 1.7 million have now received the second. COVID infections and serious illnesses uh, amongst Israelis over the age of 60 are now 60% lower than before vaccination started um, about a month ago, which is incredible news. And Israel has opened an embassy in the United Arab Emirate capital city, Abu Dhabi. The new Israeli ambassador, Eitan Na'eh, and his staff will expand ties with the Emirati government, financial bodies and private sector, universities, the media and more. The UAE has approved having its own embassy in Tel Aviv. Ambassador Na'eh outlined the task ahead of him in an interview with I24 News given a few days ago. And uh, following the historic... Uh, agreement that was signed in in Washington. Uh, what we need to do, he said, is to build long-term relationships uh, between Israel and the uh, EU, uh, UAE. Sorry, of course, and that is in in all possible fields of cooperation. Uh, we have uh, quite a uh, quite a bit of work to do here to match, to find common grounds, to to find common interests and to uh, to continue to deepen and widen the relationships that have already been created. It's not completely new, but there is a lot to still do. Right. And now I am joined by Daniel Engelsman, co-founder of ISRA Transfer, with a brief expert analysis of the shekel exchange rates. Over to you, Daniel. 
currency markets have been behaving in a quite positive manner over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, two weeks ago, we saw the Bank of Israel signal their intention of um, in intervening in the markets in order to push the rates up. But on top of that, we've seen a lot of demand for people to put money back into safe haven currencies like the US dollar and the Swiss franc. So we've seen dollar against the Shekel rise. And as well, we've seen sterling uh, rise against the Shekel. Uh, late last week, we saw sterling go above 4.51 uh, for the first time in quite a while. And we saw the dollar against the Shekel going very close to 3.3, which we haven't seen for um, a little while. So it's very positive news. Um, you know, the next couple of weeks will be quite important, but um, the market trend it seems to be upwards. And uh, if I was guessing, I'd, I'd say that 3.3 will be broken and head towards 3.35 as its next uh, target. So let's see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. Thanks again to Daniel. And if you need to buy or sell shekels, then please visit www.israeltransfer.com where you can organize your money transfer to and from Israel. And you can also get in touch with the Israel Transfer team from the website as well as from the Facebook page. And that's all we have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'll be back at the start of next week with another Israel News podcast. Shalom v'alei from Israel.